This is the Brighterwood Podcast, insights on growing the small business using the latest technology and marketing best practices. I'm Robert, and we're excited to be in a new podcast space today, aren't we, Mickey? We are, yeah. No longer sitting at my desk. I had a good microphone there, and it worked well, but now we're in an official studio here, so we'll see. It should be so much better. It's like, fantastic. Ooh, like a 25% better content and sound and all that kind of stuff. Right, which is kind of the opposite of what we're talking about today is cold emails, which are not good or better in any way. So, nice, yeah. <laughs> nice segue there. Way yeah. to go. So I say we don't like them. So why, why don't we like cold emails? Ooh, I think for so many reasons, I just, anytime I open up my email inbox, which I think you and I both, as people who work for a marketing agency, get like a dozen a day. Oh, for sure. And that's the ones that break through the spam filter because <laughs> yeah. I look in spam every once in a while and there's like, that's the tip of the iceberg. I keep my spam cleaned out too. I actually go through and make sure there's nothing legit in there. And I, I, I'm inbox zero all the way down, which wow. is kind of silly. Okay. That's <laughs> but it is full you. of a lot yeah. of stuff in there too. Yeah. I'll, I'll empty out spam like once a month maybe. But, right. Um, yeah. So in other words, there's a lot of emails that are sent by people yeah, who, who follow the kind of cold email strategy. And I, I think the biggest reason I don't like it is, is it's an interruption. Yes. And I like my email inbox to be clean, like you, inbox zero. Mm-hmm. And that becomes that much harder if I'm getting a bunch of stuff that I don't want to receive in my inbox. Right, yeah. Seth Godin has a, a phrase. He said, it's not moral to steal people's attention. And that's basically what cold email is. You're trying to steal their attention in an unsolicited way, you know. Other advertising can be legit, but that's like, hey, I'm going to just break through and try to steal your time right now without asking. It's just not good. Yeah. And in that way, it kind of feels like almost an invasion of privacy a little bit. Like, yeah. And you you understand that somewhat with free platforms like Facebook or other social media platforms where you're like, hey, I'm getting this valuable thing for free because I know advertising is going right, to come exactly. as a part of that. And we pay for the Google you know, suite of services for our business and we get email as a part of that and we don't want it. We want it to be free of advertisement. And right. this is, that's these people kind of forcing their ads on us unwillingly. Right. And even if you have the free Gmail though, the people doing the spam are not the ones that are providing the service. Correct. So I could argue in free Gmail that Google could put some ads in maybe if they wanted, I wouldn't like it, but they could, but yeah, spammers still have, have not earned the right to do that there. Well, and the good thing is Gmail and Outlook and several email service providers do try to cut down on that as much as possible oh, yeah. because they want their, their email services to be good and valuable. And so that's why that spam filter is there. But God, those (laughs) persistent spammers just keep trying to get through and and they do break through because they they work at such scale that, you know, something's abound to get through the the filter. Yeah, I think in most of them, if they can get a response rate of one in a million, literally, they're profitable. So even if 99% are blocked by spam filters, that's still 10,000 that get through the desktops and 1% of those click through, that's still 100 people. Like they've killed it. So yeah. So that kind of leads into why why do people send cold emails? We kind of hit that one a little bit, but why else do they? Right. Well, I mean, yeah, I think because sometimes it does work. I think it's also the easier way, like the way that we would prefer, which we'll get into kind of the alternative to cold emails in just a minute. But that takes time and that mm-hmm. takes effort and that takes people cooperating with you. And so just to blitz people with a bunch of unwanted emails is a little bit easier because you don't really have to worry about right. <laughs> do they want this? They, you don't have to worry about getting their permission. You're just scraping an email list or buying an email list, which simply costs a little bit of money, and then you just start hammering away. So it's it's more of a brute force approach rather than the kind of more subtle and nuanced and kinder way that you know we would recommend. Right, for sure. So what do we recommend then? What's the alternative to this? Uh, so you mentioned Seth Godin, which he, I don't think, invented this, but certainly has popularized the idea of permission-based marketing. So letting people kind of self-select 
into your marketing funnel, right? Providing them something of value like a, an ebook or any other kind of lead generator, right? The idea is to, hey, here's here's a hook and I want you to you know, voluntarily sign up for this thing right. to get something of value out of it. And then, okay, cool. You, you showed some interest in this thing that I have to offer. Well, now let me start sending you emails and not just sales emails right away. Hey, you right. downloaded my white paper. I'm going to send you an email every hour now telling you to sign up for my free there course. There are some of those. Yeah. There yeah. are. And those are the ten people who we tend to unsubscribe from. But I mean, really, ideally, you should nurture people um, yep. in a little bit of a way. Uh, Gary V mostly talks about this with social media, but jab, jab, right hook is those jabs, which you want to have more of those than the right hooks. Yeah. The jabs are the value added pieces. Yep. And the right hook is the sales piece. So again, that, that could be social media content or emails, like send out three or four emails uh, of value for every one sales pitch email that you send out. Like overdo it with value rather than always doing sales stuff. Um, yeah, so that certainly... Explains email. I think there's other alternatives people can look at too, because you can't just say, well, the one alternative to spam email is proper email, which is one alternative, but there's also, I mean, we're, we're, we work in digital marketing, and so there's lots of places beyond email. Um, things like you could do proper ads, and you know, if you want to pay to reach the masses, you could do it through Google ads or through TV ads or other reputable ways to do it, and certainly lots of other digital marketing techniques, you know, blogging for SEO and lots of stuff there, social media you mentioned, lots of other ways beyond just trying to spam people through through email. It's it's also good you brought that up because cold email is obviously the example that we're using, but it's not the only form of kind of cold marketing, right? For sure. Yeah. Certainly cold calls, you know, solicitors just constantly calling your phone number is also another way we're familiar with. And I think direct mail too is kind of something that I don't particularly love. I, I see some value in direct mail, but I mean, gosh, I swear at least like 60 to 70% of the physical mail that I get delivered to my, you know, my physical mailbox is stuff that I don't want and stuff that immediately goes into the trash can. So that's another form of kind of cold marketing that doesn't feel, it it feels a little icky to me. A little bit. I I like that more than others because it's not a disruption to me in the moment. I know there's going to be junk in the mail. Kind of That's part of the price, I guess. It still shouldn't (laughs) be there, but we've all accepted that. Kind of like watching TV and commercials come on. I don't like commercials, but it's part of the deal. Whereas spam email is not part of it. That's just people trying to weasel their way in. It's a, a different animal. Sure. It's also funny that one one more note before we move on there, because at least with email, I can unsubscribe. True. Yeah, now, okay. not everyone honors that unsubscribe, which drives me crazy as well, because yes. there's legal stuff there that you, you have to technically in the United States adhere to somebody's unsubscription, right. which in case I usually just mark it as spam. I usually do both. <laughs> sure. Yeah. That's a, a more surefire way. Unfortunately, with you know, with physical mail, I can't like. There's nowhere for me to click on a postcard about right. insurance <laughs> yeah. to say, "Hey, please stop sending this to me," because they just, you know, if I if I took on every credit card offer that I received in the mail, <laughs> I would be, be drowning in credit cards. Oh yeah, for sure. So why is permission marketing better then? Uh, well, I mean, I think it it creates value with your audience, right? It, it makes people more happy with you as a brand. They they think of you as a thought leader and as someone that they will actively look to for advice rather than an interruption, which usually causes a more negative reaction yep. um, in, in most cases. So it, you know, it's creating a place for people to come and look for content. Obviously, like you're, you're trying to get them, it's, it's inbound marketing. It's trying to get people to kind of come to you. But if you're creating value there, there's a reason for them to come to you, right? Rather than, oh, they're just constantly trying to hunt me down and, and right. get my exactly. attention. Um, so I think that's one of the biggest reasons why permission-based marketing is a good approach and the one that we recommend. Yeah. And digging into all the details of that is, is beyond the scope of this podcast. We have some 
materials I think we can put in the show notes that can get people there. But let's give an overview. Like, what would it look like to build a permission-based marketing funnel? Yeah, I mean, so obviously you first of all create something that's valuable, a podcast like this one, uh, blog posts, videos, downloadable resources, or, or all of the above. You put them in a place where people can come and find them and then subscribe for updates to say, hey, you know, we've gated this ebook for you to download, but we will trade you this ebook in exchange for your email address. And then people mm-hmm. usually know that means, okay, you're going to send me email. So that's part of the deal that they're kind of signing up for. Yep. And then, like we said, you, you send nurture based emails. You, and usually you can even automate that. You can say, hey, anytime someone subscribes uh, to our email list because they downloaded this ebook, let's send in these four emails that we think they're going to be relevant to this specific person. And then at the end of that, maybe the fourth email is a, hey, come sign up for our services or hey, pay $9.99 for my my online course or something like that. You can create automated funnels that have people coming in. But again, it's it's more based on value and, and somebody coming in because they want to rather than you just, again, blitzing and, and bulk sending out a bunch of emails to people. There's, there's no funnel there, right? It's just right. a shotgun approach. And if you actually create a funnel where there's steps involved, people are going to more likely to actually take those steps up and walk along with you. Yep. And that's the tricky part these days is building those is really pretty easy now with some of the tools, the MailChimp and yeah. ActiveCampaign. And so people look and say, oh, it's easy. I drag and drop and build this thing. But the harder part is actually coming up with the valuable content, writing all the emails, right. and right. it ends up being really quite a lot of work. But it's fantastic. We have tools at least that can guide us through that and we can put our words into those systems and make it all just flow beautifully. Right. And it forces you to think about your audience because if you're if you're creating something for your audience and taking that time and going through that process, you're thinking about them rather than cold email is just like, how many people can I get <laughs> right. to convert? What's my how can I increase my conversion rate from 0.4% to 0.5%, right? right? Which is huge for them, which is yeah, awful. <laughs> right, right. Because it's just I want to I want to scale and I'm, I'm gonna look at these numbers rather than think about what it's like to receive all these emails from mm-hmm. me all at once. Yep, well said. If you have been, thanks for listening to this episode of the Brighter Web Podcast, brought to you by Green Melon, a digital marketing agency. To help your business keep up with the latest digital marketing trends, check us out at greenmelon.com. You can also find show notes and more episodes at abrighterweb.com. And we promise we ain't going to spam you. <laughs>